Hi, this is Bailey Christensen, and welcome to the first episode of Freud vs. American Literature. This series will be a compilation of psychoanalyses on historical American texts to determine the motives behind them and what they say about their authors. Hope you enjoy! This month's piece is the Captivity Narrative of Mary Rowlandson. Some background on the text before we begin. Mary Rowlandson was a Puritan who lived in early America in the New England colonies. The Puritans were an exclusive religious group that believed they were predestined for heaven and that everyone else was a sinner meant for hell. They also believed in a very strict adherence to the Bible and complete dependence on God. Summary. The story starts out with Mary Rowlandson's village under attack by Indians. They kill several of her relatives, including her sister and brother-in-law, but choose to take her, several other women, and many children captive. She's forced to go on a long journey without much food or water, and she's very vague about any personal details, including her worry for her children, for the wounded child she's currently caring for, and any doubts she has. When we were reading it, we transitioned immediately to the 20th remove, which was the 20th time the Indians moved their village to prevent anyone following and attacking them. In this remove, she has been with them for a long time and has become more like an equal to them. She's able to communicate with her husband, roam fairly freely, and is even selling goods to the Indians. Eventually, her husband is able to pay her ransom and she's allowed to go back to the Puritan village. However, she's still showing very little concern for her children who are still in captivity and she has no idea what happened to them. One of the big themes throughout the piece is typology. Mary Rowlandson continually relates her story to biblical occurrences in the Bible, such as Daniel in the lion's den. Another theme is that she portrays the Indians as monsters who are animal-like and without God's grace. In the end, which is known as her Jeremiah, or her moral of the piece, she concludes that she is thankful that God put her through such trials, and she is better for the experience. She even goes as far as to say that she feels she deserved the trials for not paying enough attention to the Sabbath. For the psychoanalysis portion of our podcast, we will find out what's really going on behind the scenes of the captivity of Mary Rowlandson. In this portion, we'll be analyzing three excerpts. Excerpt number one. Affliction I wanted, an affliction I had, full measure, I thought, pressed down and running over. Yet I see, when God calls a person to anything, and through never so many difficulties, Yet he is fully able to carry them through and make them see, and say they have been gainers thereby. And I hope I can say in some measure, as David did, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Rowlandson writes this at the end of her piece, but it's representative of her attitude throughout the entire text. She shows very little emotion or doubt, presenting herself as exceptionally secure in her relationship with God. As humans, we know it's extremely unlikely that she was so steadfast, which actually suggests she may be repressing something. Under the pressure of the two Puritan officials that watched over her, as well as the harsh Puritan culture she grew up in, it's likely that Rowlandson's ego was protecting her from the backlash which would have come if she had decided to write every single one of her true thoughts. Part of the purpose of Rowlandson's piece is to emphasize complete reliance on God, and had she expressed doubts, 
she most likely would have been ostracized and looked down upon. Excerpt number two. Thus, these murderous wretches went on, burning and destroying before them. Excerpt number three. This was the dolefulest night that ever my eyes saw. Oh, the roaring and singing and dancing and yelling of those black creatures in the night, which made the place a lively resemblance of hell. These are two examples of Rowlinson's many descriptions of the Indians, where she expresses her intense disdain for them. This portion of her writing is interesting for two reasons. The first is that Rowlinson is projecting the Puritans' negative attributes on the Indians. There's definitely no question that both groups are horrible to each other. However, Rowlinson removes the horror of her own people's actions and places it on the Indians, painting them as whole soulless animals incapable of saving. The second reason is that this idea that the Puritans were God's chosen ones warps the superego of Rowlinson and the Puritans. This notion makes their sense of morality very different than mine or yours. They found the persecution of people who are different, see the Salem witch trials, and the attacks on Indians, moral, whereas we would be horrified by their actions. However, the warping of the superego allows the Puritans to easily rationalize what happens. To finish off the podcast, I have a Gen Z version of Mary Valentin. This week's summary is courtesy of Matthew Watts and is being read by guest star and 2018 All-Stater Rico Suave. Aight, so basically, there's this chick who's like really into God and she's a Puritan and she has like six babies and three of them die or something like that. She's in America before it's America and she's captured by these Indian dudes. She stays with them for a while and watches another kid die in their arms. Throughout all of this, she praises God and Jesus, and claims the only reason she is saint is because of faith, also known as my man Jesus. Freaking mint! Note, this quote has been edited for appropriate language. Thanks for watching. This has been Freud vs. American Literature with Bailey. Stay tuned for the second episode coming in the next month. See ya!